This episode is sponsored by Horizon Capital, an M&A and micro-private equity firm that acquires and grows SaaS companies. Horizon Capital only works with SaaS companies generating between 500K and 5 million in annual recurring revenue, where they help them unlock the true value of their business and scale to the next level. Whether you're ready to move on to your next startup or want to work with the right growth partner, Horizon's team will work with you to find the best structure possible. From M&A strategy to capital investments, SaaS is all they do. Simple as that. If you're a SaaS founder with less than $5 million in annual recurring revenue and are looking to sell your business, visit horizoncapital.com today and get a free valuation. If you'd like to sponsor the SaaS District podcast or recommend any guests that you think would be valuable to be on the show, visit horizoncapital.com slash SaaS podcast today. Thanks again, folks. Hello, hello, everyone. This is your host, Akil Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of SaaS District. In today's episode, we'll be talking about the 10 essential, essential traits to building a remarkable SaaS company. Today, we have our guest, Ton Dobi, joining us. Tony is an author, podcast host, speaker, and founder of Value Inspiration, which is a growth consultancy focused on tech entrepreneurs where they help B2B software CEOs grow their businesses. Tan believes that the future belongs to software businesses that create products worth making a remark about. Tan is also the founder of Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission Tribe, a community focused on delivering the vision behind your software company with more impact and accelerating growth trajectory. He's also the author of The Remarkable Effect, what he describes as the essential book for tech entrepreneurs on a mission. So welcome, Tan. Super excited to have you on SaaS District today. Thank you. Looking, <laughs> looking forward to this. <laughs> awesome. So... <laughs> it's always interesting to hear someone else introduce you and it's like okay so, so what does that sound like <laughs> so it's hopefully it was accurate and i didn't uh, miss anything there but uh exactly. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the chance you know what's your you know share share a little bit you know people who don't know you what's your personal background what's your past ventures and then what motivated you to launch your own you know software consultancy service value inspiration well, I mean, my background is uh, is from the Netherlands. Uh, I, I live in Spain, but I'm Dutch by origin, and I'm actually the, the son of a tulip farmer. Um, so, and at some point, I decided I didn't want to go into tulip farming. So, I ended up in the in the tech industry, and that was already in the '90s. Uh, I've been working all my life in the enterprise resource planning space, in various roles: product marketing, product management product strategy, portfolio management. And in the last couple of years, it was uh, the chief evangelist. So for me, it's always about what's next. Um, it's always about like, how can you position yourself in such a way that, um, well, that you, that you are best positioned to serve uh, your ideal customers. And I've struggled with that myself. At some point, I figured out how to do it with some help from some others. And then when I left the company, I decided there's, there's so many very cool software companies out, out there um, started on a, on, a, on a very big idea and then an idea that's worth um, uh, exploring and, uh, and growing. But I also realized that a number of them yeah, just at some point hit the, their ceiling in terms of, of growth. And uh, they do that or that happens because of a number of things going wrong. That's what I wanted to help and, and contribute. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I've been doing for three and a half years. Um, 
in that whole process, I, I started to position myself, of course, as a solo entrepreneur. And uh, my promise was, I'll help you reimagine what can be to become a remarkable software business. This heavily inspired by what uh, Seth Godin, for example, is doing. And that in that process, I realized I had to do research, uh, keep stay on top of what's happening in the industry, who is transforming, how are they doing that. That became the the starting point for my for my uh, my own podcast back in 2018, and that has then translated into someone coming to me saying after about 50 or 60 episodes, you need to write a book about this. And mm. I was like, me? And then I thought, yeah, why not? Um, and it was actually the, the, where everything started to come together. My, my vision, what I've learned from all the interviews that I've done with tech entrepreneurs that are actually rocking it. Uh, so I wrote this book, The Remarkable Effect, which is essentially about the 10 traits that define those companies that we keep talking about. And that's mm. what, what, it, what, what energizes me. And I know that it energizes a number of other people as well. Nice. That's in so, short, yeah, but what I'm all about. So, you know, starting from tulips, I don't think there's, you know, too much uh, technology to be applied there yet. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> what you're working on right now, what would you say, you know, makes you the, and makes yourself an expert in the B2B SaaS space? So I know you've worked with different, you know, companies, you've, you've been through, you know, product marketing, to, uh, you know, product, uh, all different kind of roles. Where, where would you say is your expertise? It's typically what people are saying and what I'm, what I'm of course, yeah, I, I, I'm not even sure whether I figured it out myself, but people mm-hmm. always come back to me and say, there's two things that, uh, that we recognize. You see things that others don't. Mm-hmm. So I'm, um, how do you say, perceptive. My perceptiveness mm-hmm. is, is strong developed. The other thing is energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, the things that I see that others don't, I start to connect, connect dots and create opportunity and then I have an, I have an ability to take that and to create energy around it so that it becomes sort of a movement for you. That's mm. what I've always been doing in my own job. Um, that's what I'm doing with my customers today and I'm guiding them. Uh, and of course, my background, working about, about 30 years now in the, in the tech industry, typically the B2B software space uh, is, is pretty broad. I've been working for a small company, a very large one. I've been in, uh, in areas like uh, mergers and acquisitions. I've been managing a portfolio of products, killing products, creating products. So yeah, and now in the last year, I've uh, actually um, created my uh, my tribe for the tech entrepreneurs on a mission that I work with. Mm. And of course, then you you really get to understand their challenges to growth every single week again and again. Um, right. So focus on B2B SaaS industry. Is there you know, a stage of where, or a size of where your the ideal uh, SaaS company in which your framework is, is best applied, or does it apply to, you know, all stages of a business? It's, well, I'd, I'm not, I'm the last one to say it's for everybody. It's not for everybody. Um, mm. It's, um, first of all, it's for those that really want, that are saying, and, and, uh, that, that are on a mission. I mean, that, that, num- that name comes from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was doing a, a work stream together with uh, the, some people at, um, at Akimbo with Seth, Seth Godin, I started to realize and kind of put my, my, I, my customers into boxes. And then uh, the question came, like, where do you deliver your best value? And, what, and, and, and what, where do you get most energy? Or what energizes you most? And that's where this group just yeah, came up very, very strongly. It's those companies mm. that are already saying, okay, this is the mission I'm on. This is what I want to achieve. It's uh, those that um, 
um, that that define their success by the impact that they create for for their customers. Uh, so rather than profit first, it's value first. Right. Um, but at the end, it's also that I can only help if you already have a product, if the product mm. is tested, if there is a revenue stream. So typically, it's from one million ARR onwards. Yeah. But I mean, I also have a customer that has, um, I think, a market value of approximately 150 billion. So. <laughs> Um, yeah. I can't say that it's like one or the other. I mean, it's the, what makes a company remarkable, right? It's, yeah. uh, it's, it, it comes down sometimes to, um, to positioning one particular feature and, and do that in a certain way that, that people start talking about. It can be about, um, um, yeah, really carving out like what is your ideal customer, uh, customer base? Yeah. Uh, who are you for, who you're not for? And uh, exactly. so many mistakes are made by that. So that happens to the best, you know, the companies that it, exist. Exactly. It, it's interesting you say that about the energy because I know a lot of people ask that, why don't you guys go after, you know, bigger companies, 10 million, 25 million plus ARR and work with them. I mean, really, yeah, the, it's a lot of the same concepts that apply to those bigger companies, but I think it's just that we just gravitate to that, you know, that one to 5 million ARR, you know, at Horizon Capital. I think that's just where we see a different level of who the entrepreneur is. And I think the energy that they, there's, that, there's a little bit of that grind. It's not that early stage grind where you're, you're trying to figure it out, but now it's like, okay, I, f- I think I finally have something. Now I want to take it to the next level versus exactly. where, you know, once you're at 25 million plus, it's just like, okay, you know, building processes and, you know, like somebody with an MBA might be a better fit for that, right? It's, it's a little different. I mean, I have to, I have to completely <laughs> agree with you there because I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not a process guy. Don't yeah. come to me if you want to have process in place. Mm. Come to me if you want to kind of create something. It's it's about, I mean, that's also what I say in my book. This is not a, a book how to manage your business or how to mm. create a, um, uh, yeah, a, 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 a streamlined business. This is about the 20% to do different, to stand mm. out in your marketplace. Makes and sense. To, uh, well, to, unlo- to, un- to unleash your remarkable effect. Right. So before we get into the book, um, just want to hear, you know, from you in your own words, what makes a remarkable software business versus just another, you know, SaaS company out there? As a, well, as a broad question, <laughs> yeah. um, it's those companies that we, it's, it's, it's the companies that we, that create buzz and mm. that people talk about. And it's not, it's, it can be, it, of course, buzz in its own, it's in its own right, in its own context, because you can create buzz about uh, a payroll company yeah. where, the, where the, yeah. the subject is really, really dull. Right. Um, but there are remarkable payroll companies out there that, that solve that problem in a, in a way that people yeah, just keep coming back for. Um, it's, it's those companies that, that decide for themselves that they want, to, uh, they want to do things in a different way to stand out, mm. that realize for themselves that they cannot please everybody and therefore they don't. And they, mm. they, go, they go deep and narrow um, that creates uh, something that's, that's, that's desirable and, and, and really focus on value. Mm. And once they get that right, it's like moving it from there. They create a flywheel, create ambassadors and, and, and keep, keep moving that. Um, mm. they, also, well, they realize that, it's, um, that not, not everybody needs to know about them. It's, it's the right people that need to know about them. And once, the, once you start on that particular premise, it's much easier to uh, to start talking the right language, to solve the, the the right problems that are really highly valuable to solve, super critical to solve, and also where you can can do that little extra mm-hmm. to um, well um, to create something that people talk about, and that can be a small feature at the end. Right. 
So even if you're a payroll company, you know, perceived as dull, hard to create buzz, I think, you know, basically we're saying, you know, every, any basically SaaS company can still achieve, you know, remarkable exactly. status. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Hmm. You don't have to be, um, I mean, uh, people always think about the only companies we talk about are the ones that are really, really the big ones and that are transformative in, in at a global, global space. Right. I mean, we all know the names, you know, the Ubers, the, the Airbnbs, the Googles, of course, of the world. Um, and in the past, the, the sales forces. Exactly. Um, yes, for some, re- for some really that, 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 that takes off, but they all started small as well. That's true. Um, yeah, we, we usually forget that, right? We all see the, the end effect and the end result, but we don't see the grind yeah. in the beginning. Um, exactly. So, so let's talk a little bit, you know, your book, The Remarkable Effect. You, you describe the 10 common trait framework, what makes a remarkable SaaS business. And you divide those 10 traits into three segments or levers, which you call. So the yeah. value lever, the viability lever, and then the volume lever, right? Um, yeah. Can you speak more of each of those three? And if, if I'm a SaaS company, I'm a CEO, how can I look internally uh, into my business and making sure I'm leveraging you know, each of those kind of levers properly? And maybe if you can share an example of each. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, well, first of all, I mean, if you want to understand like how you're doing, like ranking wise, just do the, mm. just do the remarkable index. This is an assessment okay. that I have on my website. So it's 30 questions, three questions per trade. And it's those questions that really get you um, to uh, out of your comfort zone. It's those mm. questions that, um, yeah, that you ra- rarely ask yourself and you actually should do this. Uh, because that reveals, it, it opens your eyes and you know where you stand. Mm. Um, so the value lever first. The value lever for me is the foundation. It's all about the, the segmentation and the positioning and, and creating your, your value prop. That's, that, that's the foundation of everything. I, and the reason why that needs to be, that's why that's first, is because it defines all the things that come after that. The moment you've got it 100% clear about who you're for and who you're not for, that's a very important thing. Um, you can start to kind of carve out something whereby you can be yeah, remarkable. But the moment you do that as well, and you get that, uh, well, too many companies at the end are too too wide. They say we are focused on professional service companies. Which ones? Well, everyone. Because if you do a project, we can, man- we can manage your project. Well, then, of course, that's a wide open space. Um, and it actually also means that you attract the right customers, but you also mm-hmm. attract the wrong customers. And those customers will then start to ask you things and it will pull you apart from a product, product, product strategy perspective as well and from a sales mm-hmm. perspective. So the more you get it narrowed down to what, what, what are really the, the, the right ones are, it will help you with alignment of product strategy and that will uh, allow you to be uh, far more precise, precise and more curious about like what's really happening there to stay on top of things. Mm-hmm. It's... Um, it will help you to become more resourceful and uh, focus on the short term, but also keep focusing on the long terms, the things that are happening there. Okay. It will actually help you to focus and create more uh, customers turning to fans. And that actually, of course, is also like a, a helping you with your flywheel for then the, the last lever, which I call the, the, vo- the volume lever. The, the, the one in the middle is the viability lever. The volume lever is all about like then creating the growth. So if you put the value lever and the viability lever, which is about um, yeah, getting there and staying there as a company, and then the volume lever on top of that, and you create that extra, which, are, which is essentially translated in the effect, the remarkable mm-hmm. effect. 
that starts to go from linear towards towards more of a, an exponential thing. Exponential growth. Um, yeah. Um, so let's get a little bit more detailed on those 10 traits. Um, obviously, you know, if people want to check out the, the all 10 of them, they can check or, you know, get your book and, and read it themselves. But maybe I'd like to cover maybe, you know, three or four of these um, that maybe are more useful, more helpful to our audience listening today. So let's go, you know, on the, the, the first lever where you have one, number three, be different, not just better. Um, yeah. In your, strat- in your strategy, how do you help them to stand out from the crowd and, and be different, not just better? Because I think that's what people think, right? They think, how can I be better? But I don't really think that, you know, also how well, you Being better at the end is looking at who's next to you, like your competitor. Mm-hmm. So you're always starting to compare yourself against those that are out there. And I mean, it, no, no, no company, big or small, can outcompete every single one of their competitors. Uh, it's like, it's impossible. So, I mean, I wouldn't... I wouldn't say don't focus on what your competitors are doing, but don't let yourself be, well, led by them. Mm-hmm. So um, what I also see is that too many companies want to, f- well, want to fit or sort of by nature fit in with all what the others are doing. They have exactly. the same messaging. If you replace the logos, um, it's, it's very often super hard to understand who they are because it, it's all so similar. Uh, it's so the the moment you focus on uh, your ideal customers, the the ones that that's yeah, you deliver that exponential value to them, um, then you can become super specific about what their re- what their problems really are compared to the others, and that may, maybe that same same vertical. That's where you can create something that's valuable and desirable, and you can start to do that in a way that's yeah that that where 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 those companies will say, hey, wait a minute, this is this is something different. Um, this yeah. is, and it, I'm not saying that different needs to be uh, like shouting branding or it, it, it needs to be, of course, credible. It needs mm-hmm. to be uh, highly concrete and it, it needs to, well, to do things in a way that's, um, that, that, um, but people say, I, I, yeah, you build trust and I trust this, this is what I want to have. And, so when uh, people think of with better, so just when they think of better, they think, okay, you know, I have to have better features, I have to have better pricing, and I have to have a better, you know, maybe service. Well, is there anything else you can do other than that and to be different? Yeah, I mean, positioning-wise, they can be highly different. Um, mm. They, uh, yeah, it's 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 all about what how you get get things across and uh, mm. and how you do that in a way that that people that will stand out from what people what the norm is. And that's, of course, something that's different in every vertical market because of, of the standards that are there. It's also the interesting part about the remarkable effect. Um, the norms are constantly changing. What we talked about last year isn't necessarily what we talk about this year because things have evened out. So now that we have to set the next bar. And that's why it's also, that's why I, I've got these three levers. The moment you got your value lever defined and then your viability lever, with your viability lever, it's, it's your ability to step up constantly. Mm. To constantly see and be one step ahead of of what your customers really are out for, and offer them that, um, and that's also about being different. Uh, it's um, yeah, it, it comes down to 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 really nailing it, to uh, talking in a way that um, whereby your customers see you get me. And that goes mm. down to the to the other end of the, of the trades, which is one of the ones that is uh, that I always really like is that remarkable software companies surprise and hit mm-hmm. the right nerve, 
is especially in that area where you can uh, create something that's that, that is perceived as different as well. Because right. where everybody is really vague on messaging, you can be very specific and and just hit the right nerve for them. Right. Where um, a lot of companies think that they have to kind of, uh, yeah, prove everything with facts like we are and, and talk about themselves like they are the leader and the best and the biggest and the number one. And um, you can focus uh, and being different by focusing on uh, showing empathy because you really understand your audience. Um, and with the empathy, uh, it's about how do they feel and how do you address it and how can you help them from, from where they are today to, to, to a different world where, for example, trade number nine, I believe it is, yeah, um, remarkable software companies sell the idea, not the product. Mm. Uh, that's something, I mean, open up a, a B2B software website, nine out of 10 are all about the product. It's what they do. Right. Uh, nobody's selling you the outcome and create that, that, that visual picture about what can be if you start working with them. Mm. So all of those little ingredients help you to become different not just better right so you can search you can you can you can search for those type of opportunities in in all layers in products in sales in marketing um yeah Uh, but it's the mindset that's that's where it starts starts with the mindset yeah and you know moving to that next lever which is on the viability side uh you know tying with the mindset which is the uh, mastering the art of curiosity i mean how do you help somebody that's a personal trait that's your mindset to be curious um, and then why is, why do you say that's important for B2B businesses? Yeah, it's actually the, 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 the topic of the month, this, uh, this month in my tribe, um, it's super important. And, okay. um, but I, what I typically see is, is two things, well, two things, one big thing happening. A lot of companies start and when they start, there's the energy and they got their, their North star and they created the products. Um, and then they're there and then they create traction. And they get success. So they go from 10 customers to, to 50, from 50 to 100, from 100, et cetera. They get that momentum. And then they think, okay, now it's harvesting time because we got product market fit. And then they sort of, then the, sort of the motion changes. And they, I wouldn't say they get lazy, but that eagerness to just keep pushing the bar, that's sort of going. And they become complacent. Complacent, okay. um, that's a very dangerous place to be in. And that happens to, to, to small companies, but also, of course, to very large companies. It happens with changes in ownership structures. I mean, I've seen very interesting examples, interesting between air quotes, from companies that went from privately owned to publicly owned, for example, after an IPO, where the whole mm-hmm. thing moved from maybe a long-term vision towards quarterly, um, uh, quarterly financial statements. Mm-hmm. And uh, you start to take shortcuts. Talking about curiosity, this is not about one person. So typically, of course, a company starts with a founder and the founder has the vision and, and just gets it, gets going and then starts to build a team around it. Yeah. Everybody in the company needs to be curious. And what you typically see is that everybody's looking up. If he is saying it or she is saying it, it must be good. And I just do my thing. And nobody mm-hmm. asks, asks questions. That works maybe in the first couple of years. But the moment the company starts to grow, like 20 people, 30 people, 50 people, 100 people, at some point, you cannot rely everything on the founder anymore. Right. So you need to create a culture of, um, of curiosity. Mm-hmm. I actually wrote a blog about it this morning on LinkedIn. Um, 
how difficult it is to kind of embrace that curiosity because we, 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 we say we are curious, but often we're not. I mean, we all remember the places, for example, before 2020, where we go into Congress and to congresses uh, and conventions and we were in keynotes and after the keynote, it was like, anybody, any questions? Nobody says anything. Mm-hmm. Because everybody was fearing that, first of all, they want, didn't want to be the first. And secondly, they want, don't want to ask a, a stupid question. So a lot, of, a lot of times people don't dare to ask questions. When they ask mm. a customer, they think, okay, customer answered, I got my answer, I move on. But they don't dig into that. Mm. That, of course, is fatal in product strategy because you, you just get the wrong inputs. But it also is it's fatal in marketing because you just don't address the right pain and it's fatal in sales as well. Right. I mean, I've just went through a, uh, a work, st- work stream with one of my customers whereby I helped a team of salespeople to transform from selling features to selling value. All of the issues that we address are all about asking why. Keep digging in. Right. Uh, the problem that you're addressing is not the problem. It's a cause. It's, uh, it's, it's maybe uh, something that's, that is, yeah, it's the cause of, of, of the problem, but you don't have the problem right. And the only way you can get to the problem is by asking. Get to That's the root. I think, as well. I, I, I think there's a, a saying where you, if you ask a question why, you know, five times, you'll vent, that's the only way you'll exactly. finally get to the to the root. So just keep asking it. I think we only ask it maybe exactly. one, one or two or three times, but, you know, if you guys, I think yeah. once you get to the fifth time, yeah. you'll, you'll hit that nerve. Exactly. Uh, so talking well, about the volume. What you're saying there, it's like hitting the right nerve. Um, yeah. And that, that is true in all of the disciplines of, of, a, yeah, of, of, a, of a successful software company. Like I said, it's product strategy. That's where it starts. If yeah. you don't let's, ask let's, deep enough, you end up with the wrong product. Exactly. So that's your, your, your point number 10. Let's talk about that one. Uh, the volume lever, surprise and hit the right nerve. Maybe if you can yeah. go a little bit deeper on that, how do you help you know, focus on identifying the, the right nerve? Is it just that, asking those questions? It, it's for sure asking those questions, exactly. <laughs> um, it, well, it, goes, it goes beyond that. Um, first of all, by, by digging deeper, by being curious in the sales process, um, you start to, um, you, your customers all start to talk about like what really keeps them up at night or what, what they aspire as a person, what they fear, uh, what frustrates them, all of those type of things. So it's a combination of um, going deep being, mm-hmm. and, and creating the context that that's really what the problem is all about and then starting to solve it. But another aspect of that is this is the aspect of emotion. Uh, too often we just, uh, we fear or we, we don't use the emotion in our communication because we think that our product doesn't allow any emotion. If you're selling a, a payroll system, mm-hmm. like emotion, you're selling a finance system. No, of course not. We don't sell emotion. Mm-hmm. But those people that are that are responsible for the process and that want a new solution have, 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 uh, have pain points. And that results in emotions for them. It results in how they feel during the day. It results, it, 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 it results in things that frustrate them. And um, yeah, it, 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 there's, well, there's so many different things around the word emotion. There's 20, 20, 21 different versions of that at the end. Um, and it's about addressing that. And once you start doing that, you move from the brain, from, from, the, to, well, from the head to the heart. Mm. And uh, that is a really uh, powerful uh, mechanism to start getting people to uh, 
to start yeah, and uh, what to hook them and to uh, what I always call to get the pole position in that sales process. Sounds um, like uh, empathy. I mean, that's what the word I think that comes to mind, right? Yeah, it sounds so exactly. simple, but I think, you know, with A-driven, A-type entrepreneurs, right? We're very focused on, you know, A, a uh, kind of just on the, on the mind, of what's going to exactly. work, but then, you know, we have to go back exactly. that we're human, connect with the, on, on, the, on, another, on a different level, right? And exactly. That's why all of these things at the end start, like work together and you can tune one by one. Uh, and if you just tune across the whole spectrum of all 10, the really mm. things will start to happen that are that are magical. Mm. Mm. Makes sense. And then, so you know, speaking of of that, you also run a, a group or, or sorry, mastermind group of tech entrepreneurs called the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission Tribe. So, you know, where we talk about connection here in times like this, where isolation is is amplified for for trying to meet other people, it's difficult to meet other people. Yeah. Um, how and why is is being you know part of a, a tribe? would you say is important as part of a success for a CEO? Uh, I think there's one one thing here, escape the echo chamber. I mean, you mm. can have the, the, the most brilliant idea, the most brilliant team around you. You can be on a mission that is about changing the world and you're doing it. But at some point, you're just too close to the problem. And it's mm. you can't see it yourself, your team, your management team around you. Mm-hmm. They won't see it either. Mm-hmm. Uh, and often they won't tell you. Because you're mm-hmm. the boss, mm-hmm. so I mean, they are, well, they always say this, that's the saying: um, "It's lonely at the top." Yeah. Um, yes, it is lonely at the top. Not because you are lonely and you're not surrounded by people. It is because there's no one else to talk to. Because certain things that that the owner has certain owns the problem in a different way than the, than than their subordinates, and that's why this uh, this tribe is important. I mean, you can read my book and then get a good idea about what you can do. But there's a difference between reading it and doing it. And mm. um, if if you start to apply things with the with the perspective that you have yourself and the bias that you have yourself, you you run the risk of doing it uh, in the wrong way. And that's where the diversity comes in: the eyes of peers, the eyes of people that also are onto something big, uh, and realize that, that that together we can make we can be stronger and we can help mm. each other. That's where a generous feedback comes in and it's eye-opening. Right. Yeah, I mean, like you said, people are, you know, it's hard to get that honest feedback that, you know, people who don't have that same level of experience, right? Maybe your team doesn't, have never faced that kind of problem. So having that other kind of a, a group of mentors to, to kind of guide you when you're facing certain True. issues, I think that's that's invaluable. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Tony, what, what inspires you? What gives you energy every morning at your work? And how do you hope to ins- keep inspiring other entrepreneurs? Yeah, it's, it's this whole thing. Um, I mean, when the question was asked during this, uh, during the marketing seminar from Seth Godin, like what energizes you most and where do you deliver your best work? It's in helping fixing uh, B2B software companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's because I care. Because um, I mean, I've been in this myself. I know what, what it can do if you, if you get the momentum going and when you get it right mm-hmm. and you start to turn win rates from 20% to 80% when you start to get the stories of competitors that are qualifying out because they see that you're in the deal. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, that, that, is, that gives you a smile on your face. And that's what I help, uh, what I want to help other companies do as well. And mm-hmm. most of that, most important at the end, I mean, if you are, I mean, the, 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 for example, the stories on my podcast are all about those companies that are transformative in one way or the other. It's, mm-hmm. um, 
typically it started with the notion of like inspiring people of what, why, what, what can be, what else can we do with technology? Because I also see that specific, specifically customers of companies that have been around for a longer time, mm-hmm. like I said, they, they become complacent and they sort of, yeah, don't, don't know how to take it to the next level anymore. And right. uh, by providing those stories, um, we give it, we give the inspiration by bringing the tech entrepreneurs together. We take things to the next level. Um, they get to explore new paths and end up with things that we didn't anticipate before the meeting. And they get their ahas from that. That, that really gets, gives me a kick. Um, nice. And if that then translates into those companies creating bigger momentum where their technology gets enjo- being, being enjoyed, enjoyed and um, uh, and utilized around the world to do their to do their thing and to create a change everybody wins hmm, love it so that's where you get your energy from um, and here's a question for you that maybe this might be fresh you know being having the chance to do a look back on on sorry on 2020 you know moving into 2021 here um, what does success mean to you today either you know personally financially um, just generally, there's no right answer here. So, just kind of what, well, what do you I mean, feel? Like, yeah. like the people that are a part of my tribe, I, I define my success by um, the impact that I help my customers create. So if mm. they if they achieve their goals, if they achieve and create that momentum, um, if they come with the stories about the customers that they've um, that they've joined them and are, are now um, utilizing their their technology, that's that's what um, yeah, what I get a kick out of. Um, yeah. and if I keep doing that and I, uh, then that value will come back in another way to me as well. Nice. Um, so I, I haven't got a number in mind. <laughs> I haven't got <laughs> a, a revenue number in mind or a customer number in mind. It's, uh, it's like making that impact. And then what, what I, well, what are the things that I had in mind or that I started off on with the with technology on a mission tribe is that I didn't want to do any advertising for it. Mm-hmm. I want it to be a word of mouth type uh, approach. And right. that's going well to, uh, so far. So nice. Um, that's so how I see that myself. See that come back in those referrals and those word of mouth, I think. Yeah, that's huge. Exactly. Cool. What, people, what people talk about, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's part of you're, you're actually walking the talk, right? From your book. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking about, you know, books, uh, mentors, um, who or what are three best resources could be books? And or people such as mentors, influencers, you mentioned Seth Godin, who you would say have been, you know, most instrumental to your success over the last few years and maybe people can check out. Oh, Seth, of course, has got plenty of books that uh, that are very inspirational. I really like The Purple Cow. Mm. Uh, this is Marketing is also uh, one that I've read inside out. Not a person, but it's in a different league. It's more of in the storytelling scene. It's, uh, it's Bernard Ajiba. Mm. I've read all her books. Um, Kind of the queen of, uh, of storytelling. Another book that I've been that's been really helpful recently in a workshop that I did at the Alt MBA. Um, Beautiful Constraint. Don't know Beautiful. the authors, but Beautiful Constraint is really um, uh, about asking those, learning you and teaching yourself how to ask those probing questions, like the big aspiration with a big constraint, and then just yeah, see what comes out. Mm. Uh, pretty cool book. Currently reading. Um, Wicked Company from uh, from Marcus uh, Kirsch. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I just keep learning myself. Nice. nice. We'll add those in the in the show notes for people to uh, for people to check out. Have you read the the Dip by Seth Godin as well? Do you recommend that yeah. one? 
Is that one yeah, good? That's also yeah. good. But yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we all get through dips, but it's the yeah, perseverance yeah. that that gets you through it. It's the consistency exactly. and uh, mm. keep trying new things. When you fail, learn from it and get keep going. Nice. Yeah, I love that one as well. Yeah. Cool, um, Tony. This has been great. What are what are your uh, you know future plans for Valley Inspiration? You know, now moving into twenty twenty one, and how can our audience get in touch with you to learn more about you know maybe checking out your book or possibly joining your tribe as well? Yeah. Well, let's let's start with that first. Um, how you can get in touch with me. I mean, there's my website. It's called mm-hmm. valueinspiration.com. Pretty simple. Uh, if you want to connect on LinkedIn, just search for my name, Tom Dobbe. Um, and yeah, what I, what's my goal with my tribe uh, is, is to yeah, to grow it uh, to a number of cohorts this year so that we get the diversity, uh, the different, different um, pockets of growth, uh, chunks, so that, that's really there's a, that you can choose for the, the group to be part of, like the, the group that's growing from from two to ten, for example, and from ten to twenty million. Um, because I've realized that there are these stages, and in every stage there are different different type of challenges to to cover, which also right. um, means that using my you use my book in a different way. Mm. And um, but that's yeah, that that is just a matter of time. Cool, cool. We'll add yeah. all those uh, links to our show notes, guys. Check that out. Uh, make sure to go say hi to Tone and uh, appreciate you jumping on today. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Akil. <laughs> you as well. Take care. Thank you all for listening in to this episode and joining SAS District today. Don't forget to leave a review and subscribe for future episodes where we interview top leaders in the SaaS industry. If you're a SaaS company looking to grow and unlock the true value of your business, get in touch with us at horizoncapital.com. And myself or one of our consultants will provide a free assessment to help you get there and hit your goals. If you have any feedback or suggestions for this podcast, please DM us on Instagram or LinkedIn at Horizon Capital and help us improve our content for you all. Thanks again and hope to see you on the next one.